We we won the Olympics in 1920, and we also won the the Japanese Kirin Cup in 1999. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host Ian McCourt. In 20 years' time, when we're all old, bent, and saw, and we're all taking a look back at the fads of the day—naked restaurants, selfie sticks, saying "lol" instead of actually laughing—we're all going to cringe really hard. Something, however, tells me that when we look back at these upcoming Euros, the reaction won't quite be the same. It's going to be a good one, and here to get you in the mood for all that with the second of our preview podcasts is Paddy Higgs. Oh, Andre Gonzalez. Hey. And Danny is rough. How's it going? Naked restaurants. <laughs> they exist. Where? Yeah. Oh, they just opened one in London recently. It has to be one in Berlin. There just has to be. Well, I don't think so. I, I think Paris in London already. Have you been investigating this as well? No, I, I saw the piece. I saw the the news. About you saw the, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I'm is a curious it, man. So. Yeah. Well, me too. I was curious about what the waiting staff would wear. What about the cook? Well, that's that's another question. I mean, you've it, got to have something in place. It brings a whole new meaning to the word hairnets, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of nakedness in Berlin, yesterday I was placing an important phone call to、uh, an associate when I noticed that there was naked people、uh, sunbathing on the roof beside the office. Which roof? Oh, across the way from us. I didn't I didn't quite know what office it was, but it's good to know. It's good to know. Why didn't you point this out to us? Well, I was sort of busy doing the doing the important business thing, and that sort of just distracted me, <laughs> distracted me for a bit. I mean, it's a naked country, you know. People enjoy getting naked. I've, I think I've seen a lot of naked people. Yeah, there's a lot of、yep. nude ads、yep. in Berlin too. Yeah, in more than any other country I've ever been to, you walk around the streets. There's a lot of nude ads.、Uh, there used to be a, a big thing、uh, back in the days with、uh, Eastern Germany, so I think people still still get that. There was a yeah. There was a particular organization, like a kind of nudity organization. A friend of mine's parents were、uh, part of it. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Anyway, cracking on with more Euro talk rather than this、uh, naked talk. Andre, I was reading yesterday that Cristiano Ronaldo's museum on his home island of Madeira <laughs> is going to move to a bigger building to accommodate what he has said will be his future medals. That's something else, isn't it? <laughs> Growing your museum. Could a medal from Euro twenty sixteen be one of them? Do you think?、Uh, I wouldn't expect that, but it's possible. Of course, I would say that、um, the expectations in Portugal are not as high as they used to be regarding the Euros.、Uh, everything that is not going until quarterfinals would be considered a failure.、Uh, I would say they're probably going to the semi-finals. Would be good. Speaking of Ronaldo, I mean, Portugal are often accused of just being a one-man team. How much truth is there to that? It's not exactly true.、Uh, I would say that when you have a guy like Ronaldo on your team, probably is going to be、uh, a key in a lot of matches, and he was in in several matches.、Uh, but I don't think the style of the of a national team, the way we play, is Only Ronaldo focusing. I really don't think so. Who are the other players to look out for then? Is Jao Montinho? Is he going to be one of the key players? No, I'm not sure because he was injured for a long time in Monaco. He did a pretty.、Uh, I would say that his、uh, his season was kind of a roller coaster. He started well, then he got injured, then he got back again, but not as good as、uh, people was expecting.、Uh, 
Um, I would I would say that uh, we're gonna have some fireworks from from Ronaldo. I'm really excited with uh, João Mario, as I I mentioned to you several times. Um, maybe maybe uh, Rafael Carreiro. I'm still not sure if he's going to play because our uh, manager is a big big fan of Eliseu. I really don't know why, but he is so. I would say that these three guys can they can do uh, uh, pretty well in Euros. Andre, there's one criticism of, of Portugal for some time, and this probably goes into that Ronaldo question: is the lack of a real target man that you've had. You know, you've tried with Postiga, um, Hugo Almeida, um, you know, quite a few others as well. Do you think if there was someone even just as as useful as a Pauleta still? That we might see a different Portugal, and this question about whether Ronaldo or a one man, uh, whether Portugal is a one man team because of Ronaldo, would be would be relevant at the moment. Having a, a different kind of striker would be so important for the team. It, it, we we have been lacking a striker since Pauleta is gone, yeah. and he was gone a long time ago. Yeah, um, I, w- I was uh, joking around with Danny uh, a few days ago, saying that we should uh, have got uh, got uh, Gamero. It would be perfect for Portugal <laughs> having a guy like Amaro up front and having uh, Ronaldo and uh, Nani and Quaresma. A lot of creativity, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't have a, a a goal scorer. We don't have it. Our goal scorer is a winger mm-hmm. converted to something because Fernando Santos is always trying to to make um, uh, Ronaldo to try to try to um, transform Ronaldo into a player who doesn't. Uh, stick to a position in the field so he's up front doing something mm-hmm. sometimes he is is like a false nine but Ronaldo he doesn't know how to play as a false nine he needs space and when you're trying to go into the box you don't get much space so uh, he doesn't know how to play uh, without facing the goal which is also a, a problem but he has some he has uh, lots and lots of other Qualities. How are you expecting them to line up the sort of traditional four-two-three, or will it be four-four-two with uh, Nani in behind Ronaldo? Well, we we saw uh, Fernando Santos trying a lot of different things in the in the last three four matches, but I, I think he's gonna try to to put Ron, uh, Ronaldo uh, coming from the left to the center, Nani in the middle, and uh, João Mario as a false winger on the right. It would bring a lot of balance to uh, to the midfield uh, having Dromario on that specific position. Would you like some interesting facts about Nani? I, w- I would love to. I've got just, two interesting. Just hit me with a lot of facts. Well, I've only got two. One is that he was born in Cape Verde. True, mm-hmm. that is true. Yeah. And did you know he has fourteen brothers and sisters? I do. Ah. I did. I did. It's, good it's, Catholic it's, it's family. Kind of, it's kind of thing that you when you read once, it's 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 got to stick for you for life. Oh God, I thought I was. I thought I had some cutting yeah. edge. Interesting knowledge there, but obviously not. Oh, um, and you know, did you uh, know that he used to play for a, a very, very tiny team before uh, joining Sporting uh, called Real Masama, which is a village uh, in the outskirts of Lisbon? That I didn't know. Okay, you, so. you've got he, me on he, that. He's one. teaching you some facts. Yeah. <laughs> That's not quite as interesting as 14 siblings, though. That I would is say. Yeah. 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 A, a friend of mine has seven. I think there's seven of them, yeah. Seven brothers and sisters. 
That's and I thought it's, that's it's huge. a team in three subs. Like you can literally yeah. have <laughs> you know a, a, a lineup. One of them has to go goalkeeper. I'm not sure how the you know nannies, brothers and sisters line up in goal, but you could literally have a full team with three subs. Imagine eleven nannies on a pitch. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> no one would pass ten. No, that's right. <laughs> no, it's quite common. It used to be quite common in Africa, so uh, it's not exactly uh, news. And in Ireland, I think my. Granny on my <laughs> African fa- Ireland, yeah, African Ireland, yeah. Very, the, the, the Catholicism might be the link there, but I think my granny had eleven brothers and sisters, and my yeah, granddad was an only child. Back in the days, I would say, in the beginning of the twentieth century, it would be normal in right. in all Europe. I would say. Okay, moving on from that, how much are we going to see of Renato Sanchez? I'm not sure. He's not going to start uh, unless something weird happens. Uh, but uh, he's going to play quite often. I think he's going to be like the 12th or the 13th player because um, uh, he's now at Bayern. Uh, there, he, there's a lot of pressure. When, it, when you're coming from uh, a team like Benfica and you do well, there's always a lot of pressure for, for, from the fans to, to put the guy playing right away. He's uh, really young. He, he has uh, a lot of talent. I don't think he's a player. He's, he's still a project uh, but um, I'm I'm curious to see how how, how are we gonna how are we gonna to perform in a, in a big tournament because it's gonna be his first big tournament. He 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 went straight from the under 18 to the to the first team in the national. He didn't he didn't play for the under 21s or mm. under 20s. That's impressive. Yeah, so that's why um, I don't know. It's uh, he hasn't uh, a lot of experience when it comes to these kind of things. The rest of the group is Iceland, Hungary, and Austria. Yeah, are Portugal worried about any of those? Because on paper, they Portugal sh- they should, should be. Yeah, Portugal on paper should be, or traditionally at least, should be the, the favourites for the group. But that may not necessarily be the case. In paper, yeah, they are. Uh, they are the favourites. But um, this is a tricky, a tricky group. Uh, you, at first sight, you you look at this group and you think, okay, this is this is easy. It's going to be easy. But I don't think I don't, I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, for the first time in several years, you have a great Austrian team. They are really good. I think th- they were probably the best team in a qualifying. Uh, probably Austria and England. It, it was quite easy for them to to qualify, and th- they were in the, in a group with uh, with Russia and Sweden and, and Montenegro. Yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, I think England had three more points of them. I mean, England won all their games and Austria yeah. just dropped a point against Sweden. But Austria had a much harder group. Yeah, I think the, the, they're going to they're gonna do quite well in, the, in this in this series. Um, and they might win the group. I don't know. Because uh, Portugal, I think we're going to do well against Iceland and Hungary. I'm a bit afraid of Austria, to be honest. I don't know what is going to happen when, when we play Austria. Are Portugal right to be afraid of Austria, do you think? Uh, not afraid. I mean, you should be wary. Um, I Respect, think Portugal, not yeah. afraid, yeah. <laughs> I think Portugal definitely are the strongest side. I, I agree with Andre. I think um, Austria, Switzerland as well are a, a side that I think are actually going to be uh, quite impressive in this tournament. Um, but it still should be uh, an easy progress um, for Portugal. Hungary, we saw against Germany, are going to be hard to break down, but are not going to make any great waves you know, either. So I think this should be Portugal's group. Okay, does anybody have anything to say about Iceland? Ajigo Johnson. Ajigo <laughs> <laughs> Johnson, yeah. Anything else? They're quite a classy setup. I, I like watching 
Yeah, I've always enjoyed getting into Iceland. They've just had a lot of little stories like this Good Johnson one and you know, the fact that he's still there is fantastic. And um, I think they'll be probably a lot of a uh, bit of a cult favourite, I think, at this tournament for as long as they're in it. Do you want, continuing my theme of interesting facts, would you like one about Iceland? Yeah. And their uh, co-manager, I guess he's a co-manager. Yeah, they have two, yeah. Yeah, they have two managers, right. So it's Heimer Halgrimsson. I've been working on my Icelandic pronunciation all day. <laughs> Heimer Halgrimsson, uh, he's the joint manager of Iceland. Um, and occasionally he still works in his dental practice on the remote Vestemeyer Islands. There you go. That's impressive for an international manager, isn't it? Yeah. I think their domestic league isn't like considered fully professional. No, it is not. Lots of, the first division, I, there are lots of people. I, if I'm not mistaken, they have uh, three teams that are fully professional, but the rest of the league is like semi-professional. So, yeah. It's an incredible story for them just to have qualified, I think, when you, what mm. are they, 300,000 people, 400,000 yeah. people. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, insane. It's like uh, one neighborhood in, in, in Berlin. In Berlin, qualifying for the Euros. It's yeah. really impressive. Oh, it's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Elsewhere, Group D, we have Turkey, Spain, the Czech Republic and Croatia. Danny, you've cast an eye over these. And we were sort of wondering in our kind of planning meeting for the podcast whether this is the group of death. I think it has to be. Um, I think it's the best group in the Euros for, for, for a number of reasons. There's, um, there's great quality all across uh, uh, the, the four teams. Maybe Czech Republic is a little... Uh, weaker than the other three. And then there's also a very historic feel to this group. Uh, when you look at these teams, um, you, you think back to some of, the, some of the great sides. I have some interesting facts that I, that I dug up about this group. It's the only group in the Euros with multiple different winners of the tournament. So you have Spain and then uh, Ch- Czech Republic when they were playing under Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. And then how about this one? Uh, all four of these teams have finished in the top three at a World Cup. How cool Ooh, is that? Just that is good. Fact fantastic today, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> We're doing well. Yeah. We're doing well. And this one I discovered myself. I, yeah. didn't, even, I didn't even read it. To <laughs> we discovered um, all of them ourselves. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think uh, I, I really think it's the best group. They also have some of the best kits. The the Turkey kit and the the Croatia kit. I think in particular, this is going to be the um, the group to watch. I can't quite decide whether I like the Croatia kit or not. Oh, it's a, I think it's a classic. I mean, you just see that that kit and you know exactly what you're going to get. It's the kind of same design every time and it just I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, I do like it. It's like the the strongest brand um in kits when it when it comes to the Euros. Okay. Daniel, we what sort of games are we expecting from from this group? Well, like I said, I think there's a lot of quality um and you have at least three sides who who will go on and try play play very good football. Um, I think obviously Spain, everyone knows about their 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 very strong team, some some great players. Uh, the Croatia is a bit of a mystery box. I mean, they have a collection of fantastic individuals. I think um, sort of regular football viewers will be familiar with most of their players from from some of the top European leagues. They're going to be a bit of a mystery box. Uh, in terms of their their manager uh, Ante Chacic, who uh, no one you know he's still experimenting. No one really knows what to expect. Uh, then we have we have Turkey with Fatih Terim, who um, you know everyone kind of remembers that wonderful Turkey side at, at Euro two thousand eight, very uh, very very attacking. Um, and then Czech Republic, who who of the four teams will probably sit back a little more. I think the game to look out for is is the opener, the, the Croatia-Turkey game, which could be very open and, uh, and feature some, some great football. I think, I think the Czech Republic, uh, they, they could be a tricky team. The, the, they're a good side. They, they qualified also quite easily. Very in, well, in they, they, uh, ahead of Turkey in, the, yeah. in, their, in their qualification group. Um, 
I just think they're a little reliant on uh, Rosicki and 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 Peter Cech. Um, and I mean, Czech's still done well, but when you're reliant on Thomas Rosicki to to f- create anything in an attacking sense, there might be a problem. If he doesn't there. pick an injury, right. <laughs> right, right. how does anybody feel about Spain? I mean, let's least we forget they have won this competition for the last two times. But saying that, they lacked the creativity to break down the world's 137th ranked team on Tuesday evening. It's not really a good sign before going into a major tournament, is it? Well, I think it's an interesting case. I mean, they kind of, uh, you know, people are talking a lot about France. People are talking a lot about Germany. Um, and in a way, the pressure's almost a little bit off Spain. Um, oh, it's completely off Spain. Yeah, uh, which I think is interesting because they're still an exceptionally strong team. I mean, if you look up and down, they have, uh, you know, one of the top goalkeepers in the, in the competition, probably the, the tournament's top defensive midfielder. They have great center backs, uh, great full backs. Um, uh, uh, like you sort of hinted at, I think their, their problem is going to come with um, breaking teams down and, and they looked really disjointed uh on Tuesday against Georgia in the attacking third. And if you look even at their, their successful tournaments in their peak a few years ago in 2010 um, and, and 2012, they, they, they really had trouble at times uh, breaking teams down and they got accused of playing sort of boring football. They normally had a, a David B or Andres Iniesta to, to kind of bail Create them out. Something. I don't know if they have that kind of player this time around. They probably don't have the forwards to make the right runs necessarily as well. I mean, there's Morata who will probably be the, the starter, of course. Mm-hmm. He's still very inexperienced. You know, he's had two very good seasons now in Europe. But, you know, the 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 surprise that they didn't take a Torres or a, um, even a um, Diego Costa just to have that reliability a little bit. Both those players, patchy form, of course, um, but at least they'd been around the setup for a while and could, you could perhaps throw in at the right time if, if Morata's not doing it because besides Morata, it, it gets a little bit thin. And then there's a lot of doubts regarding the, the lineup and, and the tactics, which is something that you usually don't see in Spain. But I think Del Bosque... He has a lot of doubts, and uh, we're really close to the big moment. And in the last three matches, he tried three different tactics mm. and three complete different lineups. So uh, I'm not sure if this is a good sign for 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 Spain. Uh, they doesn't look quite stable enough, you know, and. Uh, It could be a problem in a, in a tournament. What would worry me if I was a Spain fan is that he still has doubts over who should be goalkeeper. I mean, this is fairly yeah. obvious for most people outside of, outside of Out, Vincent Del Bosque. Outside of Spain, it's quite obvious for everyone. Uh, in Spain, uh, it's not. I, I, I really don't know why, but it's, it's a fact. When was the last time Kisias actually had a decent season? It was like, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that's an interesting point. He's talked a lot. He he's used this word a lot in his press conferences. Del Bosque transition, and that it's a a, a team in transition. But he almost, uh, in his kind of actions, seems to go against his own words. I mean, it's so bloody obvious to everyone that <laughs> that uh, that that De Gea is the the superior goalkeeper, um, and I think there are quite a few positions where he's. Uh, he's relying on uh, players who've done well in at Euro 2008 at the at the World Cup in 2010, um, and you you saw is sort of the the example is leaving players like Isco and and Saul out of the squad that he's a little hesitant to bring, to to kind of bring younger players uh, younger players in in a way I, I think personally, um, Koke for example should should be in the team. Um, 
you know, he, he brings a different dimension to some of the other players they have in there. If the, even Del Bosque yesterday, he said against Georgia, they, they were too similar in midfield. Um, and, and I think uh, Spain could potentially do a lot better by, by, by bringing in some, some different guys. I think that having uh, Atletico doing and the amazing season that we all witness and not capitalizing on that, isn't clever at all. And uh, Del Bosque is completely uh, leaving out Atletico players. Um, he didn't bring Gabi, who was probably the best midfielder in the Champions League. Uh, and Saul also. Uh, Koke is not starting. Juan Fran is starting because probably Carvajal got injured. So, I don't know. You need to to uh, capitalize on on uh, on a team like like Atletico. They played uh, without even thinking. You don't need to 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 train a lot if you have like three four players uh, playing every day. Yeah, and uh, it, it does seem strange that that he wouldn't he wouldn't capitalize on that. Paddy, a quick word: How far do you think they can go? Uh, obviously. Out of the group, um, I think there's a real question mark. I think we've identified all, you know, some real question marks about the the Spain side. I, I'm sort of tipping a quarter final at this point. Um, I, I I think it'll be touch and go with them in in the in the knockouts, but I don't see them getting past the quarters, to be honest. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Joining us on the line to talk about Belgium's hopes at the Euros is Guillaume Mabe, the football editor at Newsblot. Uh, Guillaume, Belgium are currently ranked second in the world, but just how good are they and how far can they go in this competition? Well, yeah, that's the million-dollar question, uh, I believe. Um, there are several opinions on that. You have that one group that thinks we can go all the way that can uh, that thinks that we can win euro and you have that other group that refers to experience to to the uh, the lack of quality played during our preparation towards this tournament and thinks that maybe in the first round even uh, our story will uh, will end so my personal opinion is that reaching the quarterfinals could be a good result and if you reach uh, the final eight, eight stage then everything can happen but uh, it's it is certain that our level of, of play uh, have to uh, have, have just have to raise has to be better. How big a loss is is Vincent Company going to be? Well, um, at first you thought it is, was only Vincent Company, and we had a lot of uh, quality defenders who could uh, who could fill the gap that he had uh, that he had uh, created actually. Um, but uh, as you maybe know, uh, there had been several other injuries in defense, not from uh, the most uh, from from the biggest players, but um, we don't have quantity uh, left in the defense. There are maybe only five, six uh, defensive players who uh, who are fit to play. Uh, and if you look at it now, then you must say that that, in a sportive way, Vincent Company could have been a, a major, a major benefit for this team. Uh, and on mentally skills, um, he had always been like like the the father of of this team. Uh, everybody respects him. He also has the best connection with uh, with the national uh, team coach. He is like the, the tactical, um, yeah. He is like the the national team coach on the field, 
So in that case, you will certainly be missed. How will Vilmots fill the gap? Will Vermeulen step in or will it be uh, Jason Denaer? Well, if Vermaelen is fit, then <laughs> then uh, Vermaelen will probably play. But uh, you know the story of Vermaelen when he was <laughs> at Arsenal uh, and now in his uh, seasons with Barcelona. He hasn't been fit for, for a while. And now he has been struggling with uh, with a new injury again. I think it was in his cough. Um, so if Vermaelen is fit, then normally he will play. But uh, on the other hand, I think uh, he will have to go back to uh, Jason Denier in central defense and Toby Alderweireld on the right back and Jan Vertongen on the left back. Uh, he tried to, to play that, uh, those two players like they do in Tottenham, namely Vertongen and Alderweireld in the center back positions. Uh, but then you see the, that there is a gap on the left wing and on the right wing. So I think he won't take any risks and try to play Vertonghen and other rails on the back positions and just look for a solution or a fit player in central defense. You will have Jason Denier and hopefully you also will have uh, Thomas Vermaal. Regardless of what happens in the Euros, you know it's pretty obvious that this generation coming through for Belgium um, is a very talented one. It perhaps hasn't matured as a national team yet, um, but how do you actually see this crop of, of players? Do you think this has the potential to, to be the best Belgian, uh, you know, I guess, era of, of all time? Well, um, if, if you look at the quality of the players, if you look at um, the the enthusiasm of the crowd. If you look at, at the, the level each player is, 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 is uh, getting at this moment, like, like Lukaku had, had his greatest season of all time, then you just have to conclude that this Euros just are giving us the best opportunity to, to finally win a great tournament. We, we won the Olympics in 1920. Uh, and we also won the, the Japanese Kirin Cup in 1999. <laughs> Those are our only two, uh, two uh, achievements. So if you really want to win a big tournament, then you uh, have to aim on this tournament. You did it. The world, you did a World Championships 2014, uh, where you could say that was the first time in 12 years that, uh, that the Belgian team played a big tournament. But now you do have that experience. And after this, you only will you only have the the World Championship 2018 because in 2020, then uh, like Vincent Company will be too old. There will be some other players who who probably um, won't uh, achieve, uh, have the the same level as they now have. So if you look at quality, if you look at form level, then you have to conclude that that this is our best shot for uh, for winning a great tournament. I want to ask about a specific player, about Yannick Carrasco, who uh, we, we yep. all saw when he came on in the Champions League final, what kind of a, a, an impact he can have. Uh, first of all, is he going to start for, for Belgium? And second of all, do you think he can be a, a player who can make a difference uh, for, for this team in the Euros? Yeah, well, like many other players, he also has been struggling with, uh, with injury. So uh, he is now back in full training but he didn't uh, play in any of the of, of the preparation games. Um, well, you know, on on uh, on the attacking wings, we we have a lot of options. You could play Kevin De Bruyne on on, on right or in center uh, midfield, of course. You have Eden Hazard. You have Dries Mertens, and now you also have Vianney uh, Carrasco, who has been incredibly developed during the last season uh, at Atletico Madrid. Um, I think in Belgium. Everyone is expecting a lot of him. And I think that if he's fit, 
he will be the first choice for Reynolds to play, that he will play uh, Kevin De Bruyne as central, Eden Hazard on the left and Yannick Carrasco on the right. And um, as you have seen uh, during Champions League, uh, especially in the final, he is someone who, who can make the difference uh, in every way by giving assists, by scoring goals, by going hard into the duels. Um, I'm, I'm personally expecting a lot of him. I think he could make uh, a difference against uh, not only the small teams, but also the big teams who will hopefully uh, uh, play against in, uh, in quarterfinals and, and further. Um, there's also a couple of choices for Vilmots up front. Will it be Benteke mm-hmm. or do you think it will be um, Lukaku? I mean, Lukaku had a sort of his season sort of petered out towards the end, but Benteke really hasn't been in form at all. Well, he already uh, said clearly to the press that um, Romelu Lukaku will be his starting number nine uh, in the tournament, and that he will see after that, after the first game, uh, if, if if he can still be the, the starting uh, uh, number nine if uh, if he has if he had performed well. Um, so um, Romelu Lukaku also has been scoring uh, in the last four games uh, in a row now, I think. Uh, while Christian Bateke uh, didn't play a lot, of, a lot at all, uh, Lukaku has certainly the uh, the mentally benefit, and he also um, seems more comfortable now in his role uh, at the Red Devils. There was a certain period uh, where he criticized uh, the Belgian playing style. Because he thought he wasn't being, um, yeah, he didn't get them the same amount of good balls as he did in Everton. While in Everton, the play was more based on him. In the Red Devils, he's just part of of a of a, of a general team, and uh, the, the main focus isn't on his role. Uh, but now, after he scored uh, several times during the preparation, uh, he feels rather confident, and uh, he will certainly start as as the first number nine. Uh, Christian Mateke will be the second. And Divo Corrigi, who is there, of course, he will probably uh, be used as uh, a winger because Wilmot said Origi uh, is my third central uh, striker, but he, I see him more as uh, as a winger, uh, most mostly on the right hand. That was Guillaume Maybe, uh, the football editor at Newsblot, Danny. You have a controversial theory about Belgium, one that I might actually subscribe to. Yeah, I just don't think, I mean, people talk about sort of the golden generation and everything. And, uh, you know, there's some out there who are, who are predicting they could win the tournament. Uh, and I think it's definitely a collection of great players. I just don't think they're one of the top squads in in the tournament. I think when you go player for player with, uh, say, say, Germany or, or, or France or some of the other some of the other top teams out there, um, they're just not as good, and especially looking at the the form of some of their top players and the 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 problems they have in uh, in defense. Um, you know, I I think they could go home disappointed. It's the form that would worry me. You look at players like Hazard, Courtois, Benteke; they really haven't had great seasons. And I think uh, you know they they haven't even performed that well for Belgium. I think. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Fellaini was their top scorer in uh, <clears throat> in qualifying, and when Fellaini is your top anything, then you're you're in a little bit of trouble, maybe. Um, and I think, like Yama was saying, there there are really a few a few doubts around this uh, this Belgium team. So I'd be surprised to see them to see them go all the way. 
It'll be interesting as well. I think we'll find out very quickly if Belgium are the real deal. I mean, look at look at that group. It's 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 a really tough mm. one to get out with, mm. with Italy, Sweden, and Ian's uh, Ian's mob Ireland. Uh, but I mean, even Ireland are going to be a very tough, tough to determined team, you know. Yeah. And even I think Ireland. even Ireland, yeah. Well, you would say you're the underdogs in that group. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're like Sweden without Zlatan, basically. You've got Shane Long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a cut price lad on yeah. Ibrahimovic, yeah. But I mean, it's going to sort them out. We'll know very, very quickly whether Belgium are the real deal or not. Did we want to have a quick uh, word about Maro and Fellaini's hair? Or should we just let that go? I think the picture speaks for itself. And <laughs> yeah, we don't have, we obviously can't show the picture on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. This bleach blonde look, it's worrying me. You know, you it was it's very 1995. <laughs> it's a, it's the, the new trend. Is a new trend again? Is it back? Yeah, the, Ramsey did it. Nasri did it. Fellaini's doing it. All the big stars. But all the big stars like Nasri. Mm -hmm. New Balance athletes, by the way. Is this some sort of New Balance oh, like guerrilla marketing thing? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting yeah. way to you heard approach it. Here it yeah. first. Mm. Did Did anybody want to have a word about Italy and their route to the final? I do have something to say about Italy, actually, and I've sort of said this to you guys before, because you can really sort of compare it with Belgium. Everyone's getting very excited about Belgium, um, the squad at least, because they've got these young stars coming through. People who look at that Italy squad are probably the opposite. You know, it's probably the, at least on paper, in terms of names, it's probably the weakest Italy squad we've seen in, in many, many years. But don't be surprised if Italy finish ahead of Belgium, because it's Italy and Belgium are Belgium, basically. And what about uh, Ireland? Are we all excited for their appearance, their first appearance in the final when they take on Germany or France, maybe? Nope. In the okay. final of uh, the Euros? <laughs> like, yeah, the like, final like, of like the, the Euros. The, the can, we, okay. can we insert cricket noises in there, Dama? <laughs> 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 okay, well, at least one of us believes in Ireland and their route to the final. Well, you haven't said it on the record yet. No, I. It's, it's South Africa for I. It's yeah. it, 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 it's something I like to keep internalized, <laughs> just in case. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Andre, Danny, Guillaume, and our producer Damien. Go to iTunes, let us know what you think of the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, you might as well download the One Football app too. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud at One Football. Thanks for listening. <laughs>